Welcome to Murderous Mermaids with Martinis, a podcast discussing all things horror. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Angie. And uh, spoiler alert. Most of the titles we'll be discussing are relatively well known, but just in case you haven't seen any of the films or television shows that we'll be discussing, we're going to make sure we put uh, the titles in all of our episodes so that you have been forewarned. You have been forewarned. Like most people that went to the theater this year, we saw Hereditary. So, of course, we're going to talk about it. Yeah, and the one thing that I will say I'm super proud of myself in this is that I taught Rebecca a new nursery rhyme where the key phrasing is, Mama had a baby and its head popped off. Apparently, she had never heard this before. Never heard of it before. But it's a real thing. Um, I don't know if it's association regionally, but apparently it has something to do with dandelions, and I grew up in the Midwest where there were a lot of dandelions, but it's definitely relevant to the film Hereditary. Oh, yes. (laughs) Heads do pop off. (laughs) I guess that's a euphemism, but uh, yeah, I feel like I have now learned something new as a result of watching this movie with you. And I've caused you much research. Yes. Uh, So there's a little song you can sing about dandelion heads being popped off, although the word dandelion never appears, so it sounds much more gruesome. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, we'll be talking about Hereditary, the much-talked-about horror film of 2018. All right, so um, Hereditary... Uh, much talked about film. It got a lot of uh, advanced critical praise, which I think is maybe a little unusual for a genre film. Mm. Um, and I think as a result, maybe uh, people's expectations are set up differently There's, because of that. Yeah, they set the bar really high by saying like it was the best horror film of the century. I or like, believe. or like the best since The Exorcist, or I mean, I guess depending on who you read, yeah, the um, how grandiose the accolades were varied, but it, it got a lot of like really strong uh, critical praise before we went and saw it. Yeah, and I remember reading where people weren't able to sleep for days after watching this, and they were terrified and they couldn't be alone after watching this film and I was super excited (laughs) because these things never happen to me after watching a horror film I'm like oh my gosh this this is gonna be great I'm actually gonna be scared so were you scared I wasn't scared I slept like a baby oh my gosh it was not terrifying to me come on filmmakers (laughs) I didn't find it terrifying either there were a few moments that were unexpected um and i thought if maybe i hadn't read any reviews building up how great it was i would have felt differently about it i felt slightly disappointed because it was so built up yeah they set the bar really high and then uh, even when we saw it in the theater there was a gentleman sitting next to me when i was over he goes well that was disappointing (laughs) and i was like (laughs) I think that was probably the general consensus after every everyone had built it up so much. So 
you know, it's good to maybe temper that a little bit when you make a film so that, I mean, I, I guess they made their money though because everyone went and saw it. Yeah, and I'm sure people who maybe wouldn't usually be inclined to watch a horror movie watched it as a result of the, the I guess, the critical word of mouth. Um, and so maybe those are the people that couldn't sleep at night because it's not usually their genre to watch. That's probably the case. They're, um, I talked to, to some other people that had seen it and they found it scary and, and were, you know, put off by some of the imagery, which I get, you know, some of it, like you said, is a surprise or a shock. And so I guess if you don't typically watch those type of things, that it would be more, um, jarring to you and maybe I'm just desensitized probably (laughs) I do think that um it might be a film that if I return to it later I might appreciate it more but my expectations weren't met that said I thought Tony Collette's performance was really well done in this um and the scenes of her dealing with her family uh be it her um difficult mother her possibly little shit of a son is the (laughs) phrase that she uses um were really sort of fascinating to watch in a family drama way even if it wasn't what I was expecting for a horror film Mm -hmm. I mean by the title hereditary I was anticipating you know some kind of evil that was genetically ingrained in this uh, family and that wasn't the case so the title didn't seem to fit what the plot was in some ways so I was trying to figure out like okay how is this hereditary how is this being passed on what do they mean like hereditary what are they getting at like I kept waiting for it to be somehow um, explained and it never really gelled yeah the uh the taglines used on the movie posters um I think reinforce the meaning of hereditary. So uh, it was uh, there were two different ones that I saw. Like uh, evil runs in the family, and every family tree hides a secret. And I think maybe partly why that is jarring is because the big reveal at the end. I feel like we have switched movie genres almost, or not genres, but like narratives. It. It's like a cult that's trying to, I guess, use possession to use a human body to be a vessel for a non-human entity. And so, like, that's really not hereditary then, right? Because the person occupying the body is not, like, genetically attached to that body in any particular way. It felt like, I guess, like the... Do you ever see the skeleton key with Kate Hudson? I have it queued up to watch, but oh, have then, not gotten okay. to watch it yet. All right, because I feel like it did a cult version of something that's very key to that movie. Um, so, yeah, that doesn't feel like family tree in quite the same way. Or, or perhaps, like, I guess the secret of the family tree is that, like, these people you think are related to you aren't really occupied by who you think is inside them. Mm-hmm. So one thing that was interesting to me is that the the grandmother is the person that is um, I guess embodied by this demon king. Uh, if I'm remembering correctly, king she somehow demon. is. Um, 
has carried this entity and so she's wanting to pass it on to a male heir. And so she was very disappointed that she had a daughter and then she was also very disappointed that she had a granddaughter and the grandson never really seemed to have a relationship with her. And so I didn't understand why it was so important to her to have the entity passed on to a male heir versus another female heir with her being a female herself. Like, I didn't understand that. Like, it didn't seem like a male body was necessary. Well, and the the granddaughter, I think that the grandmother was intending to pass this entity on to is, um, her name is Charlie, and she, in some ways, is treated as uh, gender ambiguous. Um, and she talks a lot about, like, being aware of her grandmother's disappointment that she wasn't born male. Yeah, I just, I didn't understand why it was so important that the heir was a male, but... Because it's King Payman? Yeah, but... Apparently they have a very essentialist notion that therefore this king needs to be in a outwardly male body. But he was in the grandmother. But the grandmother's body died. <laughs> so I didn't understand that part of the film. Just saying. So we have to talk about the best slash worst part of the film. The decapitation. That was surprising. That was a shock. I didn't know that an allergic reaction could, could go that badly. Yes. Yes, um, I had a suspicion they were like telling us for a reason that the daughter Charlie had food sensitivities and allergies, but I wasn't expecting one her to die that early in the film and two to die in that way, because um, all the movie trailers I had seen for it seemed to really be playing up the the relationship between grandmother, mother, and granddaughter. So I was thinking like, oh, she's gonna be around for like the majority of the film because like she's like the bad seed child or like something like that, or she's like the like uh, the kid from the Omen, Damien or something like she's devil spawn that's gonna like make it to the end of the film because like that's the the way that they were kind of billing it. So that she disappeared from the film so quickly was a surprise. And I like that as a narrative um, surprise that I didn't see that one coming. The weird thing, though, is that the teenage son is so weirdly checked out. Like His sister dies from being decapitated in the backseat of a car. That he's driving. That he's driving. While high. That, I think that's the key. He's, he did smoke a lot of pot at that party. He was really tired. And he needed to go home and just chill. Even after the decapitation of his sister. But we never see him questioned by authorities. We never see the parents like really confront him about like what happened. We see the mom in grief counseling understandably so so i think it's interesting that if those moments occur they're not shown to us because i think maybe in some ways it allows us to have more questions about like what is the real dynamic between the parents and children in this family Mm -hmm. so we already know the son um peter 
doesn't really have a relationship with his grandmother, and he seems acutely aware that something was off about her. And then he doesn't even really have a good relationship with his mother either. She, you know, tries to pull his head off in bed while he's sleeping. Maybe. I mean, it could be just a dream. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she's definitely um, not affectionate and loving towards him, especially after the daughter dies. And then the dad and the son, I don't even remember them having any kind of close-knit or, or loving words or relationship either. So the son is clearly an outlier in this family in a lot of ways. I don't think we see any moments of family emotional bonding. I mean, the, the, the film opens with uh, Toni Collette's character giving the eulogy at her mom's funeral, where she makes it pretty clear she didn't like her mom. Yeah. So that, that I mean, that sets the tone. <laughs> yeah, and she even makes the comment to the son, like, I never wanted you, or I never wanted to be your mother. And then as soon as she says it, but I love you, it's like, well, which one is it? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think the son is a clear outlier for the family, and um, and that sets him up for um, evil possession, apparently. Or is he set up for evil possession just like as at a default? Because <laughs> <laughs> he was born into it, the hereditary. <laughs> yeah. So the the film did surprise us. At one point, um, where we were just like, oh, there's a naked man in the corner. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> How could you forget? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I suppressed that. <laughs> so it felt like at that point there was a clear shift. Like we had talked about, you said, you know, then it ends up being about this cult based group that is tied to the family that no one knew, or maybe the mother did know in some way. I I feel like she had to know there was something going on with her mother or else that relationship wouldn't have been that strained. But it was very surprising to me when all of a sudden there were, was a cult group at their house ready to do whatever ritual and worship this new king embodied by the sun. It felt very abrupt. It it did, um, and I th- I felt like it was a film where like when those twists happen, I was trying to like keep track of how much of am I am I supposed to assume is like quote unquote really happening, and how much is this like the like psychological projection or fear of particular characters, like it's unclear. Um, like when the the son is having a nightmare versus something bad's actually happening at certain points, and I think that's part of what um, can be terrifying about the film. But it's just such a weird shift in tone from how the film was prior to that, because there was a lot of interesting things happening with the the mom's career at making the little miniature houses. Um, and like, even like the movie kind of opens in a way or has like these, has these, uh, these shots where it makes the family home feel like a dollhouse too. Like the way they do like the, the day to night transitions and the pullouts and, uh, there's like that little tree house that's detached from the house so you can like view the family home from like an outsider's perspective. And I even how the miniatures are used in a way to like recreate 
the family traumas, like the decapitation scene. It's just a very different feel to it than like, oh, there's a big naked cult <laughs> in the house <laughs> and exactly rotting right corpses <laughs> that have been dug up out of the ground and the house probably stinks terribly. How has anyone not smelled this earlier? <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, it, I don't know. It just it felt jarring to me, and not jarring in the way that like the daughter's death was jarring. Like, oh, wow, didn't see that one coming. That's an interesting narrative development. It was more of jarring and like, oh, we've entered a different film. That's not what I thought was going to be happening, and it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was confused by the ending, quite honestly, and it felt like. Um, it felt like someone else had written the film up to that point and then someone else finished the film. It feels like there's two very distinct voices happening. Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder if there was if there's some way like to reconcile yeah, I think that calling it two different voices is a good way to describe it. Was the I guess the payoff of having those two different perspectives exist side by side in the film? Yeah, like, does it replicate, like, the mom's, I guess, inability to reconcile what she sees as her mom? Which is, like, she kind of sees her as this overbearing person that's, like, trying to be a better parent to the grandchildren than the mom is? Because she has, like, that scene that, that in the, like, when she's making the miniatures of, like, the, the mom is trying to even breastfeed the children which seems ludicrous Mm -hmm. for a number of reasons, but also sort of speaks to, like, the there's a reason they're pretty estranged, and her inability to recognize her mom's actual involvement with the cult of payment or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like the film was very plausible Mm -hmm. up to that point, where it was like, this could be real life. Like, family dynamics were such, like, I could see this happening in real life where there's this strained relationships and the uh, brother-sister relationship and the favoritism versus, you know, love versus not loving and, you know, uh, rejection of being, of being a mother versus, but I am a mother, so I need to do these things. Mm-hmm. Like all of those dynamics and storylines felt very plausible. Um, and then they introduced the ideas of the, the paranormal, which also could be plausible but then I felt like this as you mentioned the rotting corpses the decapitated heads in the treehouse this group of strangers all showing up naked at your home at exactly the right time for this demon possession to take place all of that felt very unplausible so it Mm -hmm. it was it definitely felt like it took another turn all of a sudden to me yeah and I don't know if that was a point to like take us by surprise of this is where it's going. But it was a surprise turn that took like a good maybe 20 minutes to play out. Mm-hmm. Because like, uh, like the scene where uh, the mom, Annie, is like Spider-Man crawling mm-hmm. up the sides of the the bedroom walls. Like that's where it was a break with like, oh, this wasn't the creepy that I thought this was going to be. And it felt like we were in some other place. Mm-hmm. And I don't find that 
frankly as terrifying. Yeah. I mean, I guess in like at an intellectual level, I should think of it as more terrifying because it it can't be controlled, right? Because it's it's not just paranormal; it's like supernatural possession. But I don't know. It I I felt like the the drama and horror of how dysfunctional the family was was more frightening and frankly more interesting yeah (laughs) so i liked the film i liked the story i like that it gave us a lot of things to think about and i like that you know even that turn that it takes gives us a lot of things to examine and try to i guess figure out so i guess in a way it's good in that sense it keeps people talking and thinking mm-hmm. why is this happening or why did they do that and trying to to fit the puzzle pieces together even though they may not fit the way we thought they would it makes for an interesting film yeah i liked it i wanted to love it and <laughs> i i just like it yeah again maybe if we watch it again in you know a few years we'll have different opinions yes when we have more critical distance from all the boosting accolades <laughs> Before we went to the movie theater. Right, exactly. All right. Thanks for listening and join us next week for another horror discussion. And another martini. Sounds good. <laughs>